the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagriha at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called Profound Illumination. And at the same time, Noble Avokateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the Profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way, he saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Then, through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, How should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita, should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form, emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness, there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye, datu, up to no mind, datu, no datu, no dharmas, no mind, consciousness, datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear, they transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita, fully aware of the unsurpassable true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as true since there is no deception. Prajnaparamita mantra is Teyata Om Gati Paragati Parasangati Bodhisoha. Thus Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. That samadhi and praise noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and Gandharvas, rejoiced and praised the words of the <coughs> <coughs> Shandara Samaraya Vete Atta Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisattva Papa Gunja Sanji Gaye Nebhe Doji Shia Lopa Doji Mepa Doji Shiva Doji Draghi Bhaji Metum Veshi Doji Shedding Goye Soha Ngere Don 
upadu do nidja zuđi, tagi džinji džinji pesu nani, rula venđi zonji džubaju. So once again, we will be uh, going over the introduction, introductory section of the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa. And this text is actually a commentary on Atisha's text called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. What that? So, although the text, the lamp, Atisha's uh, lamp for the path to enlightenment, is quite short, it really contains a vast summary of all of the uh, Buddhist pronouncements. Mm-hmm. Atisha's text, The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, summarizes not only the Buddhist teachings, but all of the authentic commentaries by the Indian masters. So if we look at the Buddhist teachings, the teachings on the Hinayana, teachings on Mahayana, or uh, uh, Great Vehicle and Lesser Vehicle, and then the teachings on Sutra and Tantra, all of these teachings are contained uh, within Achisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. And then we find the other lineages of the authentic Indian commentaries um, and the lineage, uh, uh, lineages uh, uh, that Atisha holds. Uh, so we first f- look at the extensive deeds lineage, which was passed down from Lord Matraeya to Asanga, and then eventually to uh, Lord Salingpa, uh, and then to Atisha. So Atisha is a holder of that first lineage called the extensive deeds lineage. And then the next lineage is called the Profound View Lineage, which is passed down from the Lord uh, Manjushri to Nagarjuna, and then eventually uh, to Ripi Kushu Chuan, uh, and to Lord Atisha. So Lord Atisha holds that second lineage as well, the Profound View Lineage. And then the third lineage is called the Lineage of uh, 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 Blessings, or the uh, Practicing Blessings Lineage. Um, and that is the Tantric Lineage, that's passed down from Vajradhara to Tilopa and Naropa, and then eventually to Lord Atisha. Uh, so Lord Atisha is the holder of all three of those lineages of instructions, uh, the, the extensive deeds lineage, 
the profound view lineage and the lineage of practicing blessings. So therefore, all of those instructions that we find in those three lineages are also said to be contained in Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. So, then if we summarize all of the Buddhist teachings in another way, we can summarize them according to paths, and, and three paths specifically, the pathways which lead beings to the higher, higher realms, those pathways which lead beings to liberation or nirvana, individual liberation or nirvana, and then those pathways which lead beings to Buddhahood. Um, and then they can also be called the uh, pathways for beings uh, that are shared in common with beings of small capacity, those pathways which are shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and those pathways which are for beings of great capacity. Uh, so the Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, contains uh, uh, um, all of all of these pathways in a summarized format. <laughs> Why, why is the enumeration uh, specifically three when we speak of the three pathways? Uh, the reason for this is all sentient beings possess a mind, and that mind is able to engage in the pathways which lead beings to those three um, higher places, but also has the ability to engage in those pathways which lead us to the lower realms. So there are actually four but only three pathways that lead to the higher realms. So there are those pathways which lead us uh, the, um, to the lower realms of existence, or, or the uh, negative realms, the pathways which lead to the negative realms, those pathways which lead to the higher realms, those pathways which lead to liberation or nirvana, and then those pathways which lead to Buddhahood. Um, so the mind has the ability to engage in these four different types of activities or pathways which lead to these four different results. So, there are six types of consciousness, um, and among the six types of consciousness, the chief consciousness is the mental consciousness. Um, and that mental consciousness um, has uh, various possibilities of engagement. Uh, there are the um, negative afflictions and the, grasp, um, the grasping at true establishment, uh, attachment, 
um, and hatred um, and ignorance. Um, so in, in dependence upon these uh, negativities, we engage in action or karma um, and uh, um, have to uh, ha um, experience the results um, of those actions um, and afflictions uh, which are negative. Um, and the mental consciousness has the ability to analyze uh, this um, system of events or this chain of events which uh, lead to the experience of suffering. So our mind possesses this ability to analyze this and then the mind possesses the ability to engage in um, analysis of, uh, the, of emptiness and love and compassion and uh, the mind that aspires to enlightenment um, and the generation of the desire to definitely emerge or uh, renunciation and its independence upon those positive minds which are the opposite of the negative minds which are non-mistaken views that one can uh, achieve rebirth in the higher realms and one can achieve liberation in nirvana and one ultimately can achieve the state of Buddhahood um, so uh, it's through, the, through analysis and um, non-mistaken views uh, that uh, um, allow us to achieve the uh, higher states of happiness. Uh, so, um, it is the sentient beings alone uh, that uh, possess this ability or potential to achieve the state of Buddhahood. Uh, if we look at earth or water, uh, these things uh, um, don't possess the potential for that enlightenment uh, or, uh, um, because of the fact that there isn't the presence of a mental consciousness. <laughs> Okay, so at this uh, present moment within our mental consciousness uh, and within our mind, we possess the seeds um, uh, that will eventually produce various states of experience. We possess the seeds uh, which will um, uh, produce the experience of suffering in the lower realms, we possess the seeds which will uh, produce the experience of the higher realm rebirth. We possess the seeds which will produce liberation. We possess the seeds which will produce Buddhahood. So within our uh, mental continuum at this uh, moment, we have all of these uh, seeds. And if we wish to achieve um, higher realm rebirth, um, then we rely upon those teachings which uh, um, show us the pathways which lead us to those higher realms of the um, human uh, demigods and gods. Uh, so the pathways which were taught um, for beings are taught which are shared in common with beings of small capacity um, are just those, those pathways which lead 
beings to the higher realms. And those practices are as follows. Engaging in uh, refuge in the three jewels of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Um, engaging in ethical behavior, which is an abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities. And if one has uh, um, um, broken his or... Uh, if one has... Um, uh, let's see... Ethics, which is an abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities. And if one has uh, uh, created an infraction or gone against any um, of those virtuous activities and engaged in a non-virtuous activity, then acknowledging uh, the downfall that has been engaged in immediately, um, or confession. So it's uh, those three practices which lead beings to the higher realms of rebirth and categorically fall under the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity and called pathways which lead to the higher realms. We find a similar concept in the Christian tradition where uh, if a Christian practitioner goes for refuge, uh, goes for refuge to Jesus or God, and has an appropriate faith, then he or she will be born into heaven, into the higher realms. Um, but if he or she doesn't, then they will be born into the lower realms. So there's a similar concept that we find in the Christian tradition as well. So we find common uh, concepts in all other religious traditions as well. Mm. <clears throat> so the next uh, level uh, is uh, once one has realized that the lower realms of suffering um, are plagued uh, uh, with various forms of suffering, and then also this practitioner recognizes that the higher realms uh, have various types of suffering. Um, those who are experiencing the higher realms have the suffering of birth, aging, sickness, and death, the suffering of suffering, the suffering of change, the pervasive compounded suffering. So all of these various forms of suffering are found within the higher realms of existence as well. So then if that practitioner recognizes that and wishes to definitely emerge from cyclic existence altogether, um, then he or she must engage in those pathways which lead to liberation. So if there is a wish for liberation, then it's necessary to engage in the practice of the three highest higher trainings. The highest higher training in ethics, the highest higher training in concentration, which uses as its, or utilizes as its object of observation, emptiness, and the highest higher training in wisdom, which is the wisdom realizing emptiness. So. Uh, in order to achieve the state of liberation, it's necessary to engage in these three highest higher trainings. Uh, and these are called pathways which lead one to liberation. Well, that, 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 
teachings are considered the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity and are synonymous with Hinayana. So uh, those teachings which are shared in common with beings of medium capacity are the teachings of Hinayana. Um, and the teachings for uh, shared in common with beings of small capacity and those teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity um, are practiced exclusively um, in Thailand and in Burma. So we still find those practitioners in the Hinayana uh, uh, vehicle in other countries um, doing the practices that we're speaking of uh, that are shared in common with the other uh, uh, capacity, with other capacities. So those practices uh, are the um, practices uh, which require analysis of the two truths and the four uh, noble truths and the twelve links of dependent origination. And through this analysis one uh, comes to the uh, realization of renunciation or the desire to definitely emerge. Um, then, if one has these uh, prior realizations upon the basis of the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity and the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity, the practitioner can then engage in those teachings for beings of great capacity which lead one to the state of Buddhahood. So it's upon those basises that one then generates love and compassion and the mind that aspires to enlightenment that eventually leads to uh, the realization of Buddhahood or the state of, of, of Buddhahood. And this is called the uh, uh, teachings for beings of uh, great capacity and uh, falls categorically under the Mahayana or great vehicle. <laughs> So, at this moment, we possess uh, this human basis, we have the human basis that uh, possesses the mental consciousness that has all of these abilities, uh, has the ability to engage in the pathways which lead us to the higher realms, has the ability to engage in those pathways which lead us to liberation or nirvana, has the ability to engage in pathways which lead to Buddhahood, has the ability to engage in the pathways which uh, lead us quickly or swiftly to Buddhahood. Um, so our mind possesses uh, um, all of these abilities um, because we have this human basis that possesses that mind. Uh, so this is why uh, we say that this human basis is so powerful and able. So our mind is similar to a crazy elephant, and if we do not harness that crazy elephant, uh, which is our mind, 
then we won't be able to achieve those uh, higher um, states of happiness. Um, we will necessarily only achieve those lower realm rebirths. So it's necessary for us to harness this crazy mind uh, that's like, or this uh, this mind that is like a crazy elephant. What that now? What you know? What the the root down here? Root from the root. Same root from the root. Same thing. Constantly down the same things. Same so, um, when asked uh, who or what created the three realms of existence, the Buddha answered that the mind creates the three realms of existence. So, it's in dependence upon a positive mind uh, that the higher realms of existence are created, and in dependence upon a negative mind that the lower realms are, of existence are created. So if we look at the mind's abilities outside of religion or dharma, we'll find that the, there are many um, things that have been created uh, because of the ability um, of the human mind. Um, all of the colleges and, and schools that we see, uh, bridges that have been built, uh, medicine uh, that is made, um, uh, trains, uh, oh, airplanes, <laughs> airplanes that have been built, and trains uh, that have been built, all of, all of these things uh, are possible because of the ability of the human mind. That means you send in the way you do that message, message, and jump over. That the name, Joa Nama Yodome, Joa Shama Yodome, the Wag Jukarime, the name Jukarime, what does it mean? Some Dama in a Kutu words. So the mind is very intelligent, also. Uh, so because of this intelligence, we can analyze it. Uh, is, is there, uh, were there previous lives? Uh, did, uh, will there be future lives? Um, what are the causes for happiness? What are the causes for suffering? So because of the intelligence that uh, uh, the human's mind possesses, it's possible uh, um, uh, for uh, that analysis to take place. So how do we uh, posit and prove uh, the existence of previous lives? Um, and there are other religious traditions that assert uh, uh, that there are previous lives. And in Buddhism, we rely upon three specific signs uh, that are given uh, to prove the existence of previous lives. Um, it's stated uh, there are previous lives because there are sense powers. There are previous lives because there, are, uh, um, because there is mental consciousness. And there are previous lives because there is wind or breathing in and out. So these are the three signs that are given to prove the existence of previous lives. 
So in dependence upon these three signs, we can uh, prove the existence of previous lives. So we find this in the uh, Dharmakirti's um, uh, commentary on the Compendium of Valid Cognition, the Pramanabhartika Karika. So because there uh, is no beginning uh, to our previous lives, we say that all sentient beings have necessarily had all uh, the different forms of relationships with us. They have been our mothers, they have been our fathers, they have been our siblings, they have been our friends, they have been our enemies, they have been neutral to us. So all sentient beings have had these, all of these relationships with us because our lives have been beginningless. So, um, how do we know uh, if there will be a future life? Um, uh, the way we can prove that we will have a future life within cyclic existence is by um, uh, check, uh, uh, seeing whether or not there is attachment present. Uh, we have been born into this present life uh, within cyclic existence because of our previous life's attachment. And if we have attachment at the end of this life, then this is necessarily a sign that we will take on another rebirth within cyclic existence. So, uh, because of this presence of future lives, there will necessarily be the desire uh, to have happiness in those future lives. We will wish to be free from suffering in those future lives. We will necessarily desire to have the happiness found in the higher realms. We will desire to have the happiness of liberation. We will desire to have that happiness um, uh, of Buddhahood. So it's necessary to find out what the causes for uh, those uh, um, uh, states are. <laughs> So now going to the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa, we find uh, in the introdu introductory section uh, of the text, um, uh, in the preliminary instruction section, again after the homage, uh, um, 
uh, where Lama Tsongkhapa states that there are two ways of explaining teachings uh, that are different, uh, two ancient traditions, the Nalanda tradition and the Vikramalashila tradition. And uh, Lama Tsongkhapa chooses to follow the Vikramalashila tradition, and that tradition explains the teachings by way of the three uh, greatnesses, the greatness of the teaching's author, the greatness of the teaching itself, and the great way to listen to and explain the teaching. Um, and then uh, the first section begins with a teacher's liberation life story, which is under the heading of the greatness of the teaching. Um, and it begins with uh, his uh, liberation life story, uh, showing how he was born, born as a prince, um, and then how he achieved his excellent qualities of uh, scriptural and realizational knowledge uh, through engaging in studies. He became a, um, a great scholar. Um, and uh, all of the uh, teachings uh, common to Buddhism and uncommon to, uh, to Buddhism, um, and then how uh, he achieved his experiential knowledge or realizational knowledge uh, in dependence upon practicing the three highest higher trainings of ethics, concentration, and wisdom, um, and then what he did with that, those experiences or those knowledges, uh, the scriptural and uh, realizational uh, knowledge. Uh, and first what he did in India to benefit the teachings, and then what he did in T Tibet to benefit the teachings. And shows that Atisha was in Tibet for 17 years, and uh, uh, really purified the teachings of many of the uh, um, wrong concepts that had uh, um, um, crept into them or uh, had uh, contaminated them. So really purified uh, some of the mistakes that had crept into or contaminated those, uh, those texts. So this is the order. Uh, the next section is the greatness of the teaching, and uh, this section uh, shows the various benefits of all of the teachings that have been given, the, the benefits of the uh, Hinayana and the Mahayana, the Sutrayana, the Tantrayana, all of the different teachings that Buddha gave, um, and the, the benefits of practicing them. And uh, specifically, uh, the greatness of Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, and allowing one to um, understand uh, these benefits and the meanings contained within those texts uh, or those, yeah, those subjects. Uh, so there are four different categories in the section under the greatness of uh, the, teachings, uh, the teaching itself. And the first is allowing one to uh, see that all of the teachings are free of contradiction. Uh, so this is the first greatness. Uh, the second greatness is the greatness of uh, um, allowing one to see that all of the uh, uh, teachings are instructions to be practiced. Um, and then uh, the third is that uh, it allows one to easily um, understand the conqueror's intent or the, the Buddha's intent. Um, and the fourth is it uh, allows the greatness of allowing one to automatically refrain from great wrongdoing or the great wrongdoing. Uh, so there are those four uh, um, benefits, or four, uh, four, I'm sorry, four greatnesses uh, that are found in the section under the greatness of the teaching uh, um, in the Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment. 
So the next section is how to listen to and explain the teachings. And this section uh, shows the, the great way that one actually listens as a listener of the teaching or a student. And then the next is the great way that the teaching should be taught, or the, the greatest way a teaching can be taught. Um, and then uh, this uh, has um, three different sections. The, then the, the Sache Kagi, Sache Tambo Ewa Sum Yure, De La Hu. So now in the uh, section, the um, how to listen to a teaching in which both the teaching and its author are great, uh, there are three categories. <laughs> Contemplating the benefits of hearing the teaching, so the uh, analyzing what what is beneficial about actually listening to the teaching itself. So that's the first section. The second is developing reverence for the teaching um, and the instructor. Um, this shows uh, um, how one should uh, um, act at a teaching in relationship to the, the teaching itself and the instructor. Um, and then the third section is uh, uh, how to actually listen. And this goes over the three different faults of a vessel the, um, the, that are... Um, comparisons to uh, negative ways of listening, uh, the fault of an upturned or overturned vessel or overturned vessel or pot, uh, of, a, an emp of a contaminated pot or a leaky pot, um, and then there are the six ideas uh, that are also under that uh, category. And uh, those six ideas are, uh, first idea is recognizing that one is ill. Um, the second idea is recognizing um, that the teacher is like a doctor. Uh, the third is recognizing that the Dharma is like medicine, uh, or the instructor's explications are medicine. Um, uh, the fourth is thinking that practice is the way to cure the disease. Um, and the fifth is thinking that the uh, Tathagatas are the highest or most excellent beings. Um, and the sixth is a wish that the teaching will remain for a long period of time or endure for a long period of time. Uh, so this is under that first 
uh, section of how to listen to uh, teaching in which the teaching and the author are great. Um, uh, and there are three categories, and that third category has two subcategories uh, that are the three faulty vessels um, and the uh, six ideas. So all religious traditions have uh, specific uh, rituals or customs and, and ways that the student interacts with the teacher and how the teacher gives the instructions and so forth. So uh, we find this uh, in, in uh, uh, other uh, traditions as well, uh, not something that's uh, exclusive to uh, the Buddhist tradition. So in this tradition, we find that the student should um, uh, refrain from the uh, six, I, I, I'm sorry, refrain from the three faults of a vessel uh, and that he or she should engage in uh, and uh, analyze the six ideas. So in the Bible, if we look at the text, the Christian text, the Bible, if the, there is a, um, a Christian uh, teacher or minister, priest, etc., uh, giving an explanation of the Bible, then uh, one should... Uh, listen uh, with, in the same ways that are the opposites of the three faults of a vessel. One should listen very well and pay attention. Uh, one should uh, not forget what is being taught, and one should uh, um, not have the bad motivation. Um, so uh, we find in other religious traditions the, uh, these necessary um, positive qualities, uh, um, these necessary positive qualities that a student should have when listening to to an instruction. Okay. So now we're at the fifth and the sixth uh, idea in the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment on page 62 in the English text. Sixty-two Shaja 
So the fifth says as excellent beings, and, and here beings refers to uh, um, necessarily uh, a person or a, a, a being. It's literal, literally what it says in English, as an excellent being. Uh, so uh, here, the reason for this word excellent this is really referring to the most excellent or the most, uh, um, the highest type of being. It could be compared to a king of beings, or, uh, the most able being uh, that there is. Um, and it says, develop respect by remembering the one who set forth the teaching, the Bhagavan, Buddha. Um, and the reason that we state that the uh, Shakyamuni uh, here, uh, it says Tathagata, which re refers to uh, Buddhas, and if we look at the Bhagavan Buddha here, which is referring to specifically Shakyamuni Buddha. Uh, Shakyamuni Buddha is stated to be the highest of all beings or the most excellent of all beings because it is he alone who pronounced or taught uh, the two cause and effect relationships found within the Four Noble Truths. The first cause and effect relationship which showed uh, how one is bound to cyclic existence uh, with the truth of suffering and the truth of origin. Um, and then the second cause and effect relationship, which shows how one is freed from uh, suffering <coughs> from cyclic existence, which referred to the truth of cessation um, and the truth of path. So Shakyamuni Buddha uh, is a being who realized uh, these four uh, truths and, that have these two cause and effect relationships and abandoned um, all of the uh, uh, abandoned the first cause and effect relationship. Uh, which uh, bound him to cyclic existence, abandoning suffering and the origin of suffering, um, and then took on all excellent qualities by engaging in the pathway uh, which led to the cessation of suffering altogether. And it's for this reason uh, that it is stated that he is the highest or most excellent being because it is Shakyamuni alone who pronounced those four uh, noble truths and was able to abandon the first two and achieve the second two. The sixth is the wish the teaching will endure for a long time. <coughs> and then think how wonderful if in dependence upon studying such teachings, the conqueror's teachings would remain in the world for a long time. So one should have the motivation or the idea that in dependence upon uh, studying these teachings, independent, uh, studying the teachings that are, uh, uh, that are contained here, uh, that the teachings stay in this world system uh, and endure uh, for a long period of time, for long into the, uh, yeah, for a long period of time, word future is used uh, in the Tibetan into the future. Mm -hmm. 
so the reason for uh, this need uh, for the teachings to remain for a long time is because it's independence upon those teachings which uh, uh, independence upon those teachings uh, that beings are able to achieve the higher realms of rebirth and the liberation and uh, ultimately Buddhahood so it, it's independence upon uh, the teachings for that are shared in common with beings of small capacity staying in the world system uh, for beings to be able to achieve the state of higher realm rebirth or in, and be able to engage in those pathways which lead uh, to higher realm rebirth. Uh, so it's independence upon the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity uh, remaining in the world that beings are able to engage in the pathways which lead to the state of liberation. Uh, so, um, in dependence upon those pathways, many beings can uh, um, uh, experience the happiness of liberation. And previously, before Rinpoche said, many beings can experience, in dependence upon those pathways, many beings can experience the happiness of the higher realms. Um, and it, it's in dependence upon the teachings shared in common with beings of great capacity remaining in the world, uh, that beings can engage in the pathways which lead to Buddhahood. Um, and that, and because of that, many beings will experience the happiness of the um, experience of Buddhahood. Um, so it's for uh, um, this, this, these benefits that we should wish that they remain in the world and have this motivation that our um, uh, hearing the teachings uh, is the cause for that result. <laughs> So, uh, if the teachings remain in our world systems, this will be the cause for may, many beings' happiness, uh, because sentient beings wish to have happiness and wish to be free from suffering. So, this will be the cause of many beings' happiness. Rangi Mm-hmm. 
Then it goes on to say, furthermore, when you explain or hear the teachings, if your mind and the teachings remain separate, then whatever is explained will be inconsequential. Hence, listen in such a way that you determine how these teachings apply to your mind. For example, when you want to find out whether or not there is some smudged dirt or whatever on your face, you look in a mirror and then remove whatever is there. Similarly, when you listen to the teachings, your faults, such as misconduct and attachment, appear in the mirror of the teachings. At that time, you regret that your mind has become like this, and you then work to clear away those faults and establish good qualities. Hence, you must train in the teachings. And then the garland of uh, um, birth stories of the Chitakamala says, When I see the form of my misconduct clear in the mirror of the teachings, I develop a feeling of regret and turn my mind toward the teachings. Um, so, if we wanted to see if we had a smudge or a dark uh, uh, spot on our faces, we would need to look into the mirror uh, to see whether it was there. Likewise, um, within our minds we have many negativities, uh, uh, many faults, and we also have many excellent qualities. So it's through uh, looking at the mirror of the Dharma, or the Dharma that is compared to a mirror, that we can see uh, what is negative and what is positive, because there are many different uh, pronouncements that the Buddha gave and explanations of uh, virtuous qualities and negative qualities. So through, so through reliance upon the texts or scriptures, we can see how many excellent qualities we truly have. We can see how many negative qualities we really have. So it's like looking in the mirror uh, and seeing what our mind contains and what we need to abandon. Uh, and, and what we need to rejoice in. Uh, because we have excellent qualities, we need to rejoice in those excellent qualities that we have. And then once we recognize that we also have those faults, we should engage in the acknowledgement of those downfalls or confess those downfalls so that we can purify them and then try to change uh, those negativities into excellent qualities. So it's through depend, depending, of, we need to depend upon the Dharma as a source for the information that tells us what is positive and what is negative. That is the logic of the logic. She is a so she is a so she is a so she is a so Okay. 
तेरे कोई निमाचिल ता जाबूते से निशेव कुछ नहीं खोलता जैसे दवा जैसे दवा से बहुत जाबूई मर होता तेरे कोई जाबूत से निशागी से लाभ ही नहीं चीज है अन्य जाबूत यों है तेरे अन्य मैसेज सुधार से भी कहाँ तक जुन्न यों है अन्य गांव तेरे से था गांव जो भी चुनो कैसे इंसान अधिकार ジャブジャブジャブスダースワーダースチョメンシャサイドバイバイナティンゲイチョバイナマスンサンジェイグナマスンチョブジュジンジェイスチェセダオシャンバタンヒンジェイクメンナンコソタスビカンロトカンロト
Um, and any details of the story that are left out are my error, not Rinpoche's. Um, but basically, he was someone who ate uh, human beings previously and engaged in that negative fault and was moved by um, someone's love and compassion who didn't mind giving their body, uh, developed renunciation, and became a suitable vessel for the teachings as a result of it. Rinpoche did school with cassette So we're going to take a short break. The cassette's going to change. Um, so if anybody needs to stretch or go to the bathroom, uh, it would be just a short five-minute break. Fire. Yeah. You know? The scones, I'm Yeah, exactly. It should be yellow because it's not. It's very doable. Okay, so let's get back to the text. Uh, we were on page 63 in the English. Uh, at the... Uh, there's a quote. Lunk, soup. Sudasi Bukanta Zeroa. Sudasi Bukanta そうだし、そうだし、僕がたせで、めしゃさけにもで。めしゃさけにしゃさけにしゃ。で、ジェシンダワズが so the uh, summary of the story of uh, Sadasa is that uh, Sadasa was a being who ate human flesh um, and he was uh, going to eat the uh, Jesse Dawa, King Jesse Dawa. And Jesse Dawa uh, went to Sadasa and said, I don't mind uh, if you eat me. Uh, because of his love and compassion, um, he uh, offered himself to uh, Sadasa. And uh, because of this um, action that the king um, uh, had engaged in, uh, Sadasa um, at that moment regretted his actions, uh, regretted the negative uh, deeds of eating human beings he had engaged in previously, uh, and rejoiced in the um, positive virtues of uh, the king's body, speech, and mind. And as a result of that, he became a suitable vessel uh, and had this desire to definitely emerge from cyclic existence. Uh, and then because of that, was a, a, um, uh, appropriate, had an appropriate state of mind uh, to hear the teachings. Okay。是 
Then it says, in brief, develop the spirit of enlightenment thinking. For the sake of all living beings, I will attain Buddhahood. In order to attain this, I must train in its causes. For this, I must know those causes. For this, it is evident that I must hear the teachings. Therefore, I will listen to the teachings. Remember the benefits of hearing. Eliminate the faults of a vessel and so forth. And listen with great delight. So here we find the great vehicle motivation or the Mahayana motivation um, and the recognition that um, Buddhahood itself is a result and Buddhahood is dependent upon causes and if the causes are not present um, then it's not possible to achieve the state of Buddhahood. Um, so it's necessary to engage in the causes of Buddhahood which are the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity the teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity and the teachings for beings of great capacity. But in order to engage in those practices, one must understand what those practices are that lead to those various experiences or realizations. And in order to understand what those causes are, it's necessary to listen. Uh, so um, this is the reason for the necessity of listening well and the benefits of listening well because it's in dependence upon uh, listening to the teaching, listening to the teacher, uh, that one can understand these things, and one can then engage in the stages of the path that are shared in common with beings of small capacity, engage in the stages of the path that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and engage in the stages of the path for beings of great capacity. Um, and by uh, engaging, and then in, and, uh, by in, uh, uh, engaging in the practices such as equalizing and exchanging self with others, um, and the seven-point cause and effect for achieving or realizing the mind that aspires to enlightenment, one can achieve that state of uh, bodhicitta, <coughs> realization of bodhicitta, which then becomes the cause for um, ultimately Buddhahood. So one engages in uh, the small and medium capacity practices and then engages in those, instruct, those two different uh, lineages of instruction, equalizing and exchanging self with others. Uh, and the seven-point cause and effect instruction for realizing bodhicitta, and then by doing so, it creates the causes for uh, achieving bodhicitta, which causes Buddhahood. 
So the next section is how to explain a teaching in which both the teaching and its author are great. Um, so how the great way to explain a teaching uh, that has those two greatnesses, a great, great teacher and a, uh, a great teaching. So there are four different divisions. The first is uh, contemplating the benefits of explaining the teaching. The second is developing reverence for the teacher and the teaching. And the third is with what sort of thoughts and behaviors should explain the teaching. And the fourth is differentiating between those to whom you should and should not explain the teaching. So the first one is contemplating the benefits of explaining the teaching. Um, and this refers to uh, thinking of the, the benefits or analyzing the benefits so one develops a, a, a joy uh, um, and, and likes uh, explaining the teaching, or uh, develops a joy about explaining the teaching. Uh, it's a joy or a, a happiness or a, a like. Uh, so uh, this is the, the first, uh, contemplating the benefits, so one generates that joy. Uh, the second is developing reverence for the teaching teacher and the teaching, and this is uh, paying homage, being respectful, making prostrations, uh, and so forth. Uh, the, and Rinpoche said, more is explained later on, uh, so we're summarizing this. The third, with what sort of thoughts and behavior you should explain the teaching? Uh, what should be one's motivation? Uh, the sort of thoughts refers to the motivation. should be the motivation of the, uh, which is the mind that aspires to enlightenment, or bodhicitta, or uh, the motivation which wishes to achieve the state of nirvana, or the state of liberation, and the motivation... Uh, which wishes to achieve rebirth into the higher realm. So there should be a, a good, a proper motivation, uh, or a good motivation. Uh, so this is sort of thoughts. And behavior is referring to uh, how one should act, uh, and what one's physical actions, uh, activities uh, should be um, as a teacher or when giving a teaching. And then the fourth is differentiating between those uh, to whom you should and should not explain the teaching. And this is referring to 
uh, um, not um, giving teachings uh, to those who haven't requested them, uh, and so forth. And more will be explained later in, that, uh, in uh, later sections.
What the Kevagaji Okay, so the next section, contemplating uh, the benefits of explaining the teachings, says it is very beneficial to impart the teachings without a concern for worldly things, profit, honor, fame, and the like. Uh, and then it says, for as the um, exhortation to wholehearted resolve says. Uh, so I'm going to stop there and go over that section first. Uh, so one should not give the teachings uh, in order to um, uh, get some sort of uh, um, excellent food or wonderful drinks. One should uh, say, I'm giving this teaching so I can be famous, uh, so that I uh, can be honored um, and respected. Uh, and uh, maybe so that I can get a lot of money or profit from it. So one shouldn't have uh, this motivation when giving the teaching. So one sh should be free of a motivation that is connected to worldly things. Uh, and, it should, and that should not be the reason uh, that one is uh, giving uh, the teaching. And when we look at uh, give, um, explaining the teaching, this falls under the category of the um, generosity of Dharma. And there are various different types of generosity. The generosity of giving the material, the generosity of uh, uh, giving fearlessness, uh, and the generosity of giving the Dharma. Uh, so there are many different types of, of generosity, um, and one should uh, um, um, impart the teachings in, in that way, without um, concern for worldly things uh, and concern for gain. Um, so this should be the reason for um, uh, giving... Uh, the teachings. And then there's a quote from this uh, exhortation to wholehearted resolve that says, Maitreya, there are 20 benefits of generosity with which you give a gift of the teaching without concern for material things, profit or honor. Um, what are um, the, the 20? And it says, uh, they are as follows. You will come to have Recollection, intelligence, understanding, stability, wisdom, super mundane wisdom, little desire, little hatred, little ignorance. Uh, demons will not find an opportunity to harm you. The Bhagavan Buddhas will think you are as precious, uh, as, um, you, you as a precious only child. Non-humans uh, will guard you. Deities, deities will bestow uh, charisma and power on you. Enemies will find no opportunity to harm you. Friends will remain steadfast. Your words will be trusted. You will attain fearlessness. 
Uh, you will have abundant happiness. You will be praised by wise. Your gift of the teaching uh, will be uh, worthy um, uh, of remembrance. Um, so here, uh, there are uh, many different uh, results that are given. And when we look at the categories of results, we'll find that there are uh, causally concordant results, there are environmental results, there are fruitional results. I'm trying to remember the other one right now. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're now on uh, page 63 uh, in the English, uh, going into 64. Um, so I just want to see if I can quickly find this. If not, we'll... Uh-huh. Okay. So Rimache wants to give a, a, a short explanation of uh, cause um, and result. Um, and, and when we look at uh, this is actually from the logic primer I have here. So if we look at the, um, uh, how uh, cause and result works, uh, we uh, define result uh, uh, in the following way, that which is uh, an arisal. Um, and we define uh, cause as that which gives rise to something. Uh, so uh, this is how we define uh, cause and effect. Here we go. All right, I feel better now. Uh, so there are uh, the direct effects, indirect effects, substantial effects, and cooperative effects. There, Ramachay. Okay. So the first uh, six fall under a category of uh, causally concordant results. Uh-huh. Okay, 
So um, there, are, there are different ways to divide results. So this is according to, it's actually in the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. So the causally concordant uh, results uh, refer to, or have two experiences, uh, mental, mentally causally concordant results and then experiential causally concordant results. So if we look at uh, killing, for instance, um, uh, and, and we look at uh, the uh, mental result that takes place, uh, if we engage in killing, then in a future life we might have an affinity mentally for killing, uh, for engaging in similar actions. Um, so this is the, the mental result of engaging in uh, the killing. Um, and then the in environmental result or the, uh, the, the experiential result, I think it's called, um, of engaging in killing is that one will have a shorter lifespan. Uh, so there is the, the mental state that is caused by engaging in uh, the killing itself. Um, and then there is the um, uh, experience that uh, is a result of engaging in the killing uh, that occurs in the next life. So uh, the, the first karma, the causally concordant karma, um, uh, has these two different categories of results. Um, uh, so that's it. So the if we look at the opposite, um, the um, abandonment of killing, then uh, the there are also these uh, causally concordant results that come from the abandonment of killing. One has a, an, a mental uh, a result uh, that uh, comes from abandoning killing and having an affinity for not killing, and then an environmental result of uh, a lengthened uh, span, lifespan. So the, uh, the results of engaging in killing uh, in the mind is that in the future one will have an affinity for killing uh, and then uh, have the experience of a shortened life. Uh, if one engages in the ethics which is an abandonment of killing, then in the future one will uh, have a mind which wishes to abandon killing uh, uh, or an affinity for abandoning killing and the experience of a, length, or a longer life or a lengthened life. <laughs> So it's stated that by uh, freeing certain beings uh, uh, from their states, for instance, uh, fish that are kept, uh, if when we free them and put them back in the ocean, uh, uh, free them from, the f uh, from being killed, or free animals, uh, or free any types of beings uh, who are uh, possibly going to be killed, 
then it's stated that our lifespan will uh, be increased in the future because of this activity of uh, freeing others from being killed, or giving fearlessness, uh, or freeing others from being killed. Dorji Zimba, so Ralotsawa the Dorji Zimba Ralotsawa Tsetsum. Then a Ralotsawa Ralotsawa Tujana then Dorji Zimba Chusun Sevo. Okay, Ralotsawa Dorji Zimba Tsetsum. Less Okay. Um, so uh, there's a story of um, Ralotsawa who killed the 13 uh, Mahasiddhis. Um, and this is all in a tantric context um, because the, these 13 Mahasiddhis uh, felt that uh, the teachings of Yamantaka were perverted Dharma. They were not actually uh, the true Dharma, that they were actually a Hindu Dharma or uh, some other uh, religious tradition that uh, did not fall categorically under true tantric teachings. Uh, so Ralotsawa um, actually engaged in, uh, uh, emanated as a, a Yamantaka and then uh, killed these beings. Um, and it, it said that in the future life, uh, Dorji Zimba had an extended lifespan and said that these excellent qualities that he had were a result of Ralotsawa killing him because he didn't uh, negate the, the, the Dharma teachings that were actually authentic teachings. So he said, it's because of these excellent qualities of Ralotsawa that I have an extended lifespan. So, Benedictson. Let's 
So, uh, during the time that Ralotsawa uh, brought the Yamantaka teachings uh, from India to Tibet, uh, there was a main practice of Guya Samaja going on. The Marpa and Milarepa and the lineage of the practice of Guya Samaja was present, um, and this was the, uh, considered the highest Yoga Tantra practice, and that the Yamantaka um, practices were actually perverted or not uh, true uh, tantric teachings. Uh, so Ralotsawa um, actually, um, Ralotsawa, the main Shiramamotse, and they would say, why does this uh, deity have a, an animal face? Uh, this is a perverted dharma. Uh, why does it have an animal face? So then uh, Ralotsawa uh, used black magic uh, and emanated as Yamantaka to destroy these uh, um, um, mistaken uh, followers, mistaken students. Uh, so even though uh, he engaged in this uh, black magic uh, um, and killed these Mahasiddhis, uh, um, um, there was no non-virtue that was accumulated um, because of this, uh, they were asserting that it, this was an animal and not a deity. Because of their assertions that this was not a true practice, it was an animal, not a deity. So in this case, with where there is uh, the tantric practices present, uh, we would normal where we would normally say killing uh, causes a shortened lifespan. Uh, this would have the opposite effect uh, because it's in a tantric context, um, and it wouldn't have, uh, cause Ralo Zawa to in the future have a shortened lifespan. <laughs> So the first one, which is a causally concordant uh, result, uh, is called recollection. Um, and this means uh, that in the future, uh, if one uh, um, analyzes the teachings and listens very well in this life, then in the future uh, one will uh, remember these teachings, recollect the teachings, and not forget what has been instructed. So this is the first causally uh, concordant result of engaging in uh, these uh, benefits in, this, uh, in generosity. So this is a, uh, a causally concordant result of the generosity of giving the Dharma, and the first is recollection, not in the future, not forgetting these teachings. Mm -hmm. 
So we find in, in school, in a school setting where some students uh, who are studying English, for instance, very quickly understand what is being taught and others who have a very difficult time in understanding. And then we have, uh, um, looking at Dharma, we have some students who, with the Dharma, can quickly understand uh, what is being taught and others who struggle uh, with uh, the topics and what is being taught. And both of these examples are examples of uh, causally concordant results. What then? So, so it, uh, if one in, uh, engages in studies or, uh, of, or analysis of the, um, the, the teachings for beings of small, medium, and great capacity, then in future lives, uh, in the future, one will not forget them. One will be able to easily uh, remember them. Remember Junyi. So it looks like we're out of time. So in the future, we'll again go over this uh, information. And I just want to say thank you to David and Ted and everybody who worked on the construction of this. This is really beautiful. The height's really, it's great. Everything's just wonderful. And now we have the conjure and the tanger here. I don't know if there's another collection in Connecticut. I'm not sure, but it's very rare to be able to have all of those books in one place, and now we, we will. So we should all rejoice in the fact that it's a collective effort, and over the years, everybody's created the causes for us to be able to have all of the Buddha's works and all of the authentic Indian commentaries in this building. So it's amazing. So when we uh, now turn to the dedication section, Rejoice in all of the merit we created. So uh, now let's do the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness, all powerful, Avokateshvara, Tenzin Gyatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandak, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, 